In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Folks, welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me tonight three people. I have with me Eric the Artist. Hi. I have with me Gary the Stud. That's me. And I am Bob Christman, your host. We are so happy to be with you. Be back doing our thing again on our Friday nights. We love our Friday nights uh, in, in our gig. And, and it's going to be kind of weird because Rebels, I think, is going to be on Monday nights now. Am I yep. right? Yep. So Friday oh, really? nights, yeah, we're going to have to keep quiet I, for like four days. They moved it. Yeah, they moved it to Monday nights. So I was kind of like, ah! <laughs> you know, the show we podcast about, I didn't know that they made a schedule change. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm really up on things. Well, here's the weird thing. Like, it used to be on Saturdays, and then we'd podcast a whole week later about it on Friday. And then it was on Friday. Fridays, for yeah, a, for a while time. it was kind of convenient. It was like, all right, cool, we get watch to watch it? it live and then Podcast. record about it. You know, Disney get with the game Friday nights. That's our thing. Like, make sure we're doing that. So there's several things we want to talk about tonight because there's just been so much going on, so much we could talk about. We're kind of cherry picking the best of the best that we we want to talk about here. But there's like a ton of stuff we could get into. I'm not even going to get into the cosplay world right now because things are still going crazy after Phoenix. I want to let some of that settle before I start addressing some of that because there is some huge stuff uh, about Phoenix that's still coming out and how it's affecting the cosplay community because it still is having drastic ripple effects. I know right now Long Island Comic Con caught some ripple effects of that. And uh, maybe later, once some more information comes out, we heard of an issue tonight that Gary found out about, about Dragon Con, that we'd like to maybe potentially uh, talk about. Since Gary and I have gone to Dragon Con several times, I'm sure we could address this fairly well. That was the con for me. Yeah, yes, I agree with you. It was always the con I looked forward to when we went, so... Um, so we'll address that at some other time. But tonight we're going to focus more on 
movies and TV shows and the things that we are all into in regalia. <clears throat> all the news that has been coming out. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna deal with the Marvels <laughs> and humans first. That's right. I'm, uh, we're actually gonna talk about it. I know people are like, "What? We got to talk about it." We're gonna talk about Deadpool two. Some theories we have. Some things are going on. We're gonna talk about the Han Solo standalone film, and then we're gonna talk about the Star Wars Rebels trailer. Oh, and I forgot to talk about. We're gonna talk about Star Wars Episode Nine yes. too, and some of the information that's been coming out about that. <clears throat> So let's talk about. So let's let's start off with uh, the realistic side of things here. Inhumans yes. came out. On We're going IMAX. to dedicate to this as much time as is equal to their rotten score tomato rating. Oh, we're done talking and we're about done. them. <laughs> That's yeah. right, folks. Inhumans currently stands on at zero percent on, on rotten, rotten tomatoes. tomatoes. You can't get less than zero <clears> percent, <throat> right? On rotten tomatoes, I think that is uh, the lowest score you can composite yes, score you can get because basically it means that not a single uh, reviewer has currently given it an above positive rating. Wow. Yeah, it's got 12, <clears throat> 12 rotten reviews. But that's the other thing. This is only 12 reviews. It's not say, like 40 or 50. Reviews. Like when you look at other ones, there's like 50 or yeah, 100 and it, reviews. It is, there it. might be more coming, but that's not a good start. It isn't a good start. And and so there's a lot of things I've heard about this film. Well, I shouldn't say film because it's a, it's the first two hours, right, of the t- the television show is my understanding. Correct. There, there's a lot I'm hearing about it that's, that's the turnoffs. The first off, from my understanding, the special effects are just downright awful. Like cheap, awful. Lockjaw, from my understanding, is one of the bad special effects. The dog, which is supposed to look huge, and they put it farther away on a shot, and he still looks huge. And somebody said, "Wait a minute! How's the dog get bigger farther away?" <laughs> and I, I guess I, you know, when you when I went back to the trailers like that they had shown, I, I realized that yeah, somehow when Lockjaw runs away from the screen, he gets bigger as he run, and I guess it gets worse as you're watching it on a screen and actually watching it live. So I never, I didn't think about that. Uh, I guess a lot of the backgrounds are stagnant; they're very dry. The sets are very Just bare and bland, sparse. Bland and dry. Yeah. Somebody said it was like a bad version of the Star Wars sets. Like Star Wars sets have blinking lights in the background. I guess there's nothing like that in these sets at all. Uh, the only I, I remember reading online <clears throat> that somebody had said the only good costume out of the whole cast was Crystal's. Hmm. The the rest of the costumes were just awful. Black Bolt's costume they said looked nothing like him. I guess they really didn't like Medusa's costume. And it, it kind of didn't work for the character at all. I don't know. So who was the director of this again? <clears throat> uh, that's a good question. It's, it's probably here in the article, but I'm sure I, it's in the article somewhere. But. Basically, what I had heard this director when he was brought in, there they were saying how he was specifically brought in because he's good doing things on the cheap. So already. They were planning for a cheap Inhumans show. to be a cheap show. They were trying to do it. Obviously, they were not. They did not want to dump a lot of money into it. A series directed by I think it's Roel Renee may have done the first two. Roel Rian or whatever. I take it. Yeah, if you look, yeah, if, you look if you copy that name or click on him, we'll bring up what he's done. He's done things like what is that? Scroll down there. He's known for. Black Sails, really? Yeah, I don't think that's the one, that's the guy I'm thinking of. The movie may have been directed by somebody different. Anyway, he's known for doing things on the cheap, was what they they were quoted as saying. And that, right away, scares me, because it's like, obviously you're not giving your all, and if you're not giving your all, the product's going to suffer. And there have been, uh, I don't even, I didn't even watch it, because it was so cringeworthy, apparently, but it, apparently their, their press tour was like a disaster, 
And it's just not gone well for the show. There's there's no good news right now about Inhumans. So, and that's where I, you know, we were talking earlier, and I, I want to bring this up to our listeners too. You need to think about the the history behind Inhumans too, and I, I think a lot of people forgot the history behind it. I know these guys didn't because they hang out with me and we're cool. We don't think about, you know, we don't forget about these things. We are cool. (laughs) I don't care what the rest of the world says. (laughs) But I think what a lot of people forgot is Inhumans initially was supposed to be a movie. And then it got backed off into a, I'm not kidding, like a B movie. Like they were talking about making it a B film. And then it got back down to a TV show. And now I kind of feel like it got back down to a B TV show. So it's really, I mean, like... This show has taken some serious hits along the way, and and I can't help but think that Disney almost wants it to fail. And I can't I can't believe I'm actually saying that because I wouldn't think Disney would want anything to fail on purpose, but it sure feels like uh, they want this particular show to fail. Yeah, and it's we were talking about it earlier. You had said, you know, well they've produced it. Why not at least just release it? And I. Yeah, I'm thought, saying if you're going to sink all the money into right. it, why not just put it out there? And know? my my point was, well, there's been a number of shows that have produced an entire season it's and only true. a couple episodes have been released. And sometimes it's done specifically because they want people to forget about it. They're so unhappy with the product that to release it for six months to an eight-month season or whatever would mean that it's constantly in people's view and they're constantly hearing bad press about it if it's bad over a long period of time and that that really sinks into people's brains like oh marvel stuff is bad and oh maybe if and it starts to negatively affect other things it's like a house in a neighborhood that's bad and not upkept and run down makes the other properties lose value just by association it's kind of the same thing it it other marvel things could be seen as negative as being a part of it so i could see where disney and marvel would say you know what Let's just can it. Let's just hide it and move on. And but people here, will forget in like six Here's months. where it gets weird. And this is where I think Marvel's <laughs> like in a really weird position in this day and age all of a sudden. I, I don't think this is the only thing that's, that's, that's tanked recently in Marvel's bag of tricks. I really don't think Iron Man did well. I mean, honestly. Iron Man. Three, not, Iron, Fist. Iron Fist. Oh, Iron Fist. No, me. Iron Fist also did poorly. Our, Iron Fist did not do well. And Defenders is not, really did not live up to its right. expectations. I've heard mixed on Defenders. I I was not a fan of Defenders. I was I was very disappointed with it. Oh, it was only okay. nine episodes. I'm telling you right now, skip the first four. They're a waste. Okay, they're a complete waste of time. They don't even set up a storyline. It's like here here's the characters again. Really? Because they just watched a whole series about them. <laughs> right. You don't need to reintroduce them. Right. And it's kind of what they did for almost the first four hours. So to me, Disney's actually starting to show some... Weakness? Weakness, uh, I oh. guess is the best way to put it. And, and, and like I said earlier, I think Disney just wants the TV shows to just disappear. <clears throat> I agree with you. I think they're putting all their eggs in the movie basket. I don't think they really care about the TV shows. If they make money, great. If they don't, so much. So, you know, the Marvel names on it... Eh. Yeah. But I, I, I really don't know, is is it enough to take out a leg of the four-legged table of the Marvel Disney line? I, I don't know if having a bad TV show is enough to even take one leg out right. of it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, I guess time will tell. You know, my other well, I think what's also happening is you simply have that oversaturation of the market again. Oh, I, you've yes. got yep. how many movies a year coming out that are in the Marvel line? I mean, between two and three, depending yeah, two on and three. I mean, this year alone, there's been Guardians of the Galaxy two, yep, and Ragnarok is the main staples, and then the joint venture with Sony and the Spider-Man release. Correct. Now, from what I hear, fortunately, all and if Ragnarok's good, they're going to have had three hits on their hands. Correct. And that's great for Disney in the movie realm. 
But on TV, they've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they've got all the Netflix shows, now they've got Inhumans. People are not following all of it. Right. They're not, they just can't stay focused. I mean, that's just TV. What about all the other interests you have in your life that you want to do, you know, besides watching Marvel shows all the time? And I think they've reached a saturation point where they can't put the quality into everything they're making. And uh, the, the one show that I did like that Marvel was putting out for TV, they canceled. Which was what? Agent Carter. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. <laughs> the one thing that I did actually enjoy, Car- Peggy Carter and Agent Carter was good. It was actually a decent show, and they were actually setting up some really cool storylines right. for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too. Like, there was some stuff that was kind of cross-connecting a little bit, and I agree with you, Gary. It, I can't believe they got rid of that show as quick as they did and brushed it under the rug. It was kinda, just the one season, right? Yeah, yep. or mm-hmm. two. There were two did seasons. Did it go two? There were two. I was surprised because the second season towards the end got really good, and they left it on a cliffhanger. That they've never resolved. Yeah, and I'm sure they'll put a one shot out there or something well, to did, resolve it. But did, did you guys watch Defender or not Defenders, but Daredevil? Yeah, I've seen all of the first season and like a third or so of the second season. Did you like it? I liked Daredevil. I liked the first. Yeah, I liked both of Problem them. Problem is, Daredevil has been a good show for me. I've enjoyed yeah. it. Okay. I, I like, but Daredevil. it's appealed to my sensibility. Right. It did nothing for me. Right. Uh, Jessica Jones did nothing for me. I'll give you Jessica Jones fell a little flat uh, for me. Luke Cage, I liked. I can't say I loved, loved it. it. Really loved <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. All right. And um, Iron Fist was, from what I hear, awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's just and, uh, and, and, and Defenders it drags. Did, and, and Defenders is like the, the same people that put Iron Fist put Defenders out. I mean, they did the two. They fell flat in the same right. way both shows did. I'll agree with you. The writing is what killed both of them, and, and just I, the, the and stretching get, of the story out is what it, killed them. And I never got the villain. I never understood her. I still don't understand. <laughs> I really don't. Sigourney Weaver's role, don't get it. This, the thing is, people want to keep these mysteries going or these storylines that hint at other things in the thought that it's going to keep bringing people back. Right. But what brings people back is giving them answers a few episodes later and then introducing a new mystery. Right. And then giving them answers a few episodes later and maybe having one thing that lasts through the season. But don't do stuff and be like, yeah, maybe in a couple of years we'll give them the answer. You're not going to last that long. It's the whole lost method of writing where you didn't know where you're going. Right. You just, you, oh, we come up with all these crazy things. We'll explain them someday. You didn't think it through first. Well, and that was what I think was ingenious about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and their second season and Winter Soldier, the interconnection. It wasn't just that it was a blatant interconnection. You knew Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was going somewhere, but you couldn't figure out where. Till Winter Soldier came out, and then you kind of went... Oh, like, I mean, and it finally took all this stuff you had questions about in the TV show and it answered it in a movie. And then the TV show, like, even added more to that right. after you got the answer. So you're right. It, it That was a great combination. But it's like Disney just can't seem to get that to happen again. But like I said, it's a Return of the Jedi moment. Or, no, excuse me. An Empire Strikes Back moment. You just can't repeat it. It's just not going to happen again. You're gonna not going to strike gold twice. You need to make a new moment. Right, you need to strike oil now instead of yeah. gold. something so, on airlines. You know, whatever. I, you want to call and it. here's the thing: I'm a comic book fan. I've had no interest in following Inhumans. It, the marketing, the, the way it's been promoted, the presentation. Right, and and that's the sad part. Is, is I actually enjoyed the Inhumans com- comic book. Me too. I collected it. But the the TV show, from what I saw, the TV show, it's like these aren't them. Yeah, I've always thought Black Bolt was an awesome character. This wasn't Black Bolt. Do you? <laughs> So let me go back to the article and the point they made. And I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I am of the feeling that this is the case. Do you both agree with me that maybe the reason they're not making the Inhumans what they could be is because they can't call them mutants? I mean, is that really the 
kind of the bane of the problem. Well, the here. humans were never mutants. Yeah, they're so. not mutants. I thought they were mutants. No, no, when it was all said no. The Stygian mists thing that they did in Shield was all accurate. So that is accurate. Yeah, they are. Okay. So forgive race. me, I actually didn't no. read the Inhumans comics. I yeah, gotta be honest. The Inhumans were not the mutants. The thing was, it was when they released the lineup of movies, and Inhumans was in there. Yeah. It was to me pretty clear that they were hoping that was going to be their their mutants. That was going to be their right. X Men. They're going to be like, we can't have mutants. We'll have Inhumans. It'll become the kind of synonymous. And then they tried to do that with Shield. They created this whole, you know, set well, of all these people running around. All those people finding yeah. their powers that way. And it, they they would develop them at a certain point, the same way mutants would kind of develop them at a certain point. It was to me. There were parallels, but it was very clear that the Inhumans were always very kind of alien compared to the mutants, which were human-based g- genetic alterings, uh, you know, mutations in the in the evolution. Correct. So they still stayed apart enough. And by putting their home on the moon, they really kind of emphasized that alien feel. They were separate from humanity. Yeah, I guess They are true. inhuman. Yeah. The TV show, especially in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I felt was really pushing them to be their mutants. They really wanted yeah, oh yeah. Th- uh, that to be there because they can't have the X-Men. And now I feel that that's hurt them. Rather than playing off the strengths of what makes the Inhumans the Inhumans, they tried to make them something they're not. No one really bought it. They kind of made it a secondhand show. And now, rather than do nothing with it, it's hurt the brand. Because now, who's gonna if they decide to revamp Inhumans or do something different with it, it's going to be so hard to get people back on board. Yeah. I guess that is a question. Did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. possibly ruin Inhumans by doing what they did with the Inhuman storyline and the, and, and the gas, I forget what that's called. Stygian Mists. The Stygian Mists and all that. Did they possibly ruin the next TV show coming along? And maybe that's why Disney's getting upset with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There is a lot of animosity, from my understanding, between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show and the and the Marvel right. Cinematic Universe. Well, because everyone wanted it. was Coulson was in it. Yeah. I remember what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a parallel to the movies right. that was just on a smaller scale, but you heard about the movie stuff going on. Right. You barely hear about any of the movie stuff. It's like they don't exist. And the storylines become very TV drama. Yep. You know, they're not they're not really feeling like those movie stories, because they're not, but it is a different medium. But still I feel like something's missing. And then it gets very complicated very quickly, and now all of a sudden you have almost too much backstory to follow. And it's affecting the other series, like in humans. So <laughs> you know what it's starting to remind me of, and, and some fans are going to get this. If you've ever watched Once Upon a Time, it's starting to remind me that this this show, because you know Ward goes and becomes evil, and then he's good again, and then he's evil again. You know, and if you've ever watched, then Once he's Upon an a, alien, right? And it's then if a you, possessed right, human he's, monster, he's Hydra now. You yeah. know, like so. If you've ever watched Once Upon a Time, it's like that's what they do with that show. You know, the evil witch is good, and the good witch is bad, and this witch becomes that witch. And, like it's like the same thing. And you're right. Like it's so complicated now that like I think they're on what season five. The going into season five, I'm kind of like, wait, what? Where? How? Where? Where are we again? Like you know, so it's. There's just weird things going on in that show. Yeah. So, so that's in humans in a nutshell. You know, I want to watch it though. I'm going to give the show a shot, just like I gave Agents of Shield a shot. And I got to be honest, by episode two, Agents of Shield, I was ready to turn it off, but I stuck with it. I kind of kept beating myself and up and saying I'm going to do it. And then by the time we got to season two, I was kind of glad I did. So and maybe, maybe there's hope for Inhumans. I'm just kind of keeping that out there, the, you know. My opinion, the hope for the Inhumans is that they give them the proper costume. And yeah, maybe that is to come later on, the, the, the proper it, it, costumes it, it, come it, it should be right from the get-go. I get what you're saying. Maybe that's like a reintroduction of the Inhumans finally embracing their powers or something. You know, I, 
It, it, it's a possibility. Of course, we're also talking about this without having seen it, too, and that's kind of tough. You know, I, it I, is. I, I I'm go, we're it. going off a lot, and please take that. Take everything we say with a with pound of salt. salt. Yeah, <laughs> because, a pound of salt, yeah. You know, we like to talk about things we don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> or at least I haven't seen yet. I have you, plenty of opinions about things I know nothing about. Yeah, you guys do. <laughs> when I talk about something, I know all about it. <laughs> you and you are a big Inhumans fan, so you do have the right, right to kind of judge what you've seen so far based right. on that. And I was an Inhumans fan. I collected for a while, but I wasn't like you know. I, I guess I wasn't the hugest fan in the world, but I did collect. While we're on the Marvel topic, what do you guys think about Captain America now not being Captain yeah. Hydra? Captain Hydra. Well, because it was a different Captain America, apparently, or there was yeah. That's all, the implication. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd ha- I haven't read the storyline, so I can't. I mean, I knew I've been Good Cap. Comic, so. Good Cap was going to come back eventually. You knew it somehow. It's not like he was going to be bad forever. And it just—it's typical comic book fare. What did I tell you, Gary, when I first bought the comic? I'm like, this is all a political stunt. Hmm? This is all to get people to buy the comic again. I bought it just because I wanted to start collecting Captain Americas again. Um, I'm glad I read the storyline. It's been interesting, but at the same time, I saw it as a stunt the whole way through. Oh, I mean, yeah. you, you're reading the whole thing going, this just can't be. I mean, it just cannot be. And that's be. the thing is that they got to get away from stunts with these things and just get yeah, back just to telling. Give me good storylines. Story you know what I mean? You don't have to go whimsical on it. Just give me a good storyline. Okay. So we'll our next one, topic. Make this one quick. Well, well, we could say it's quick, but come well, on. Well, we've already spent 18 minutes into the show, and we've only talked our first subject, so... <laughs> We're fine. We're fine. You know what? It's my show now. We're all good. Hey, yeah, that's true. That's, we'll, we'll take as long as we like to We take. can stay off topic all we want. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. There's no Death Star here, people. <laughs> so, our next topic, we want to talk about Deadpool 2, because there's been a lot of information coming out about Deadpool 2, and... There's some information that Eric pointed out that people have overlooked. I have, I have a theory. And he has a theory, and I, I like your theory, actually. I think it's a good theory. But it's something you pointed out that it's a valid point. If you think back to earlier, I think it was this year. Yeah, like it was earlier February, this year. Right, February, March-ish uh, this year, uh, Ryan Reynolds put up a, a picture of Hugh Jackman, Pierce Brosnan, and Ryan Reynolds. Yes. And everyone made an assumption that it was a Deadpool 2 promotion, right. that Wolverine was going to be in it yep. with Hugh Jackman, and that we were looking as Pierce Brosnan cast as Cable. Which, by the way, Pierce Brosnan is not Cable. No. Nope. That role... Is Thanos. Uh, goes, <laughs> that role goes to uh, Josh, Josh Brolin. Brolin. Now, he is playing Thanos, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's oh, Thanos, my, and he's... Oh, that is freaky as all get out. That, I've seen articles now where they're saying it's become Hollywood's becoming nepotism. They're really yeah. just recycling... St- a few actors into so many roles and it's that's wrong they really they need to give it, it to somebody else I really that's why i still should've. wanted Stephen lang to get it i want Kira knightley to have it yeah and there's that <laughs> I, i'm willing to bet that for a sp- she's going to be in the sequel for a split second they're oh i'm sure she up. will be they have to and i'm sure deadpool will go look there's cable oh <laughs> or something like that but but uh so you know josh brolin we'll get to cable in a minute because you know I have we have other things we want to talk about there, but you know it was the see no you no hear no evil. We're back talking about no the evil. photo. We're talking about the photo. Yes, and Eric, I'll let you postulate your your theory. Here. Well, my only theory was this: that everyone assumed we're looking at Wolverine, Cable, Deadpool. Right. And what I'm wondering is, since Sony owns the rights to the X Men and Deadpool, and they can do all the crossovers they want. Yes, everyone wants Hugh Jackman to show up as Wolverine, and maybe he'll even pop in as a, as a sight gag or a joke or who knows what. But I'm wondering, because Cable's in the movie, they're getting into time travel and possibly alternate timelines. Yep. Are we looking, actually, at Deadpool 
sitting next to a Hugh Jackman Wolverine, and a person in the middle, Pierce Brosnan, who will play an older Wolverine in the movie. And I'm wondering if that was something he did that no one considered, and people just let that picture go. Doesn't Logan kind of imply this, too, slightly? But towards the end of Logan, I mean, he says he's going to go off into the nothingness and, and basically retire, right? Like, that's my understanding at the end of Logan. That that's the Still haven't seen Logan, by the way. So. Spoiler, he's dead. You really think he's dead, dead yes. at this point? Yes. Okay. You th- okay, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine may be dead, but the character's not gone, so... Anyway, Logan Wolverine is dead. Yeah, I At still the end of okay. Logan, he's dead. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if maybe that was a, a, we'll a foible, okay. you know what I mean? Okay, now, maybe not old man, old, old, old man Logan. How about Scott Summers? Well, he could old, be Scott old Summers. Old Scott Summers. Well, and this is why, because isn't Cable the son of Scott Summers? Yes. Yeah. So, oh, so he may be having an older too. Scott Summers. I, I just thought of that. That's not bad. Not. That's not bad, too. But there's I'm not. willing to bet that I'm just wondering if Pierce Brosnan, for some reason, is going to be... In Deadpool, in some regards. Oh, I'm, I'm sure and, in some way. And gotta... it wasn't just a... Re- I mean, why post a random picture of those three sitting together right. and then have everyone forget it? Be- because they're doing a, uh, one of those uh, uh, Crosby Hope uh, sing-along uh, road, road trip <laughs> movies. <laughs> well, I mean, it is... Yeah, the, the, wow, that one really... The Scott Summers thing makes sense, Yeah, actually. that could be. It <laughs> who, and who was the mother? Sense. Jean Grey. It is Jean, Jean, Jean Grey, Grey yeah. Yes. Okay. No, no, no. Mad- Mad- Madeline Pryor. Okay, yeah, the, the, yes, the clone, yes, 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 yes. the clone of the clone. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, there's there, there's some onus to that too. You know that that's. Uh, I'm really hoping at one point Deadpool just sits down in the movie. He's like, "Give me a minute. I cannot keep these storylines straight." <laughs> you're you're the son of who and a clone of what? Right. Yeah. Well, I just like the idea that we are going to open up this idea that we could travel through storylines and stuff like that, and, yeah. and time travel becoming a thing. Now, unfortunately, which we could briefly mention. Deadpool was shut down for a bit because of a tragic accident. Yeah, I heard. There was a stunt driver who got in a crash and died, and uh, that's terrible, tragic news. That should never happen. From what I hear, that stunt driver was in high demand and was highly worked. Yeah, and there's possibilities of just error on the part of being overworked. Human error. Yeah, but I don't know the whole story. But it's still just tragic, and just wanted to mention that. As far as I know. They're back on filming now, but I can't imagine that didn't hurt like Ryan Reynolds and his whole upbeat approach to this whole oh, thing. I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. He was apparently really devastated by the whole thing. Yeah. He may not have been there filming that day, but he was devastated. Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about, again, along the same lines of Deadpool 2, is the casting of Domino, because that has now actually officially Whoa, happened. Domino. And, okay. So Domino now is kind of reverse Domino, I guess is the best way to put it, because... Domino is not a white person with the black eye. Uh, it is now an African American with a white eye. Now, as I had told you guys, I actually have no problem with that look. I actually that doesn't bother me as much. What bothers what's, me? What's really interesting is what bothers you is a costuming choice, <laughs> not a casting choice. It is actually it is a costume. <laughs> you're right. It is a costuming choice. The fact that they decide to use an afro, I, I don't know why that bothers me, but it just. Domino does not strike me as the person that would have an afro, right. in, even in the 70s. Regardless of race, right. Right, regardless of race, it's just not something that Domino would have. So it's throwing me off when I look at the character. Now, you talk about all the time, like in Star Wars, if you want to feel like you're in the Star Wars universe. So this is a point where I'm like, I want to feel like I'm in a Deadpool movie. Yeah. Having an afro on Domino, I don't care how good of an actress she is, is going to throw me off enough to go, I don't know. Is that Domino? Right, you're not, you don't feel like you're watching Domino. You don't feel like I'm watching Domino. You know, it's like when you... When and you, when you go so accurate with the Deadpool costume, 
what I'm I mean, saying. like super accurate. And you can in this world. Why? I'm, I'm interested why in figuring you? out why the choice was made to change the look up. It, there's, right. There's some sort of choice going on there, and I wonder what it is. And when you compare the two side by side, it, it is, I don't know, it throws me off. Right. You know, it just, it, the whole thing throws me off. And, and I don't know. When there's so many cosplayers in this world that could do it so much better <laughs> and make it look accurate, why why can't a costumer in the Hollywood world make make it look I, accurate? I always I just... wonder about their choices. I always wonder why they decide that, hey, with this costume, we're going to go different. Yeah. It's like, didn't you learn with the first time you tried to do Deadpool <laughs> that changing right? the character up a bunch doesn't work? Yeah. And, you know, they, they got away with some things in the first Deadpool movie, which I was okay with. But right. this one... Like what? What did, were you okay with in the movie that wasn't quite right? Supersonic Nega Warhead, whatever the heck her name was. Super, teenage, Supersonic yeah. Teenage Nega Warhead. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the costume wasn't... Com, you know, Negasonic Teenage Warhead. There we yeah. Go. Uh, you know, it wasn't completely accurate, which right. didn't bother me all that much. Francis, I, I forget what his real name is. That didn't even come anywhere near what, what the comic book right. version it, of him was. It was Ajax who was played Thank by Francis. Thank you, Ajax. Uh, but Ajax had a costume... That we never even saw in that okay. whole movie. Um, who was the chick that fought Colossus? Uh, as a matter of fact, Colossus oh. and Deadpool were the only two really, quite yeah. honestly, they were completely accurate to the comic books. Yeah, Colossus was dead on. You know, that was, that was actually my wife brought up, and Gary, you probably would agree, probably the best Colossus. Yes. yes. Ever. Yes. And she said to me, why don't they keep him around? I'm like, I, I can't. Is I Colossus not in number two? Well, well we I, haven't heard anything about Colossus right. being in it. The well, way, I do remember it was late in the filming that we finally heard, and they showed some scenes of a, yeah, guy, of a, Colossus, on set, of yeah. a guy on set, and they said he was going to be digitally altered to be Colossus, yeah. and it was kind of late, I remember going, yeah. wow, I didn't realize Colossus was even going to be in this. So I, I specifically remember that. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be in the second one. The only one I think has been confirmed from the first movie, besides Deadpool, is Negasonic. Yeah, she's back. Yeah, she's going to show so up. So it makes you wonder now, how many other mutants are they going to cameo in this? Because... They, well, they, they've they, realized they can go big because people love this movie. It was a hit. Oh, just remember though, they can only afford only two mutants. Well, they can't make that joke anymore <laughs> because it was such a hit. <laughs> they true. still could. He's, he's even going to say. Could. He's even going to say. Well, I guess because the first one was such a hit, we've got a lot more mutants now that <laughs> we can afford for. <laughs> so, but you know, it was, it was interesting. I, I just don't Deadpool, agree with the choice. God, when you think about it, Deadpool is such a weird sell. It's a character who knows he's in a movie and a comic book character, but yet it's still played off seriously at times in the storyline. How the heck do you balance that and make it work? <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. That's the only I mean, way I can explain. He sells he's, it. No. Uh, he's the only guy that can make that happen. I'm sorry. I no. Just, it's good writing. You think it's good writing? Yes. Maybe. I think it's okay writing. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the comics had excellent writing. Oh, yeah. I think the movie was okay. I was never. Uh, well, I, I was one of the people who was not an enormous fan of the first movie. It was fine. And it was entertaining, but I felt most of the good jokes were ruined in the trailers. I'll and give you that. It was surprisingly serious for a large portion of it. That, yeah. that also surprised me. But I still liked it. I mean, <laughs> I that's the it. thing, you know. It was like, okay. And here's the stupid thing: I really was never a fan of the comic book. I thought he was always like too snarky of a character, like a little too. How do I? You know, just a little too snarky. I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, uh, and yet, I thought the movie was great. So. Uh. I liked him because he was anti-Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll give no, you that. No, I mean, and just he look, always was. In the, yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm not saying that the two of them were going at each other. It's just the fact that Wolverine is serious. Deadpool wasn't. was. Yeah, it was. Just, <laughs> he was his comic relief. Right. Like, yeah, I totally get it. So the last part of the Deadpool two movies, which we have to talk about here, and I'm going to bring this up for those who are watching it online here on on video. Psychedelic is the first look at Josh Brolin as Cable. 
and like I don't know where to go with this. <laughs> well, for it, one, it's... I don't like the t-shirt look. Yeah. It's like there's no his costume always felt more futuristic to me. Right. In terms of the costuming itself and th- to me here he's just wearing a t-shirt. Yeah, like when you look at like comic book versions of it's like Cable, an ar- he's like a more of an armor. Right, he's got a lot more armor going on. He looks a lot bulkier and heavier than what Josh Brolin looks right. like here, and that's what concerns me. Like I said, I, I know it, I know it's not the case, but looking at it, he almost looks fat. Right, you know, like he's got it's that girdle thing he's wearing in the middle, <laughs> which is. I don't like. Which you know, in in any military situation, when you wear these things, and I hate to put it this way, it makes you look pudgy. Yeah. Just no matter what you do, it makes you look pudgy. I know there's probably an explanation behind the teddy bear. I'm slightly confused about yeah, it's that. It's a Deadpool thing. Is it a Deadpool thing? There's storyline stuff okay. there, I think. Uh, you know, the arm itself, you said it. The arm looks bad. See, I don't think this is a final render. There, I this hope looks not. this looks like they took a picture of him and then did a lot of Photoshop over it quick. And it's more like a concept image than I than it doesn't look right to me. I hope, because you know, I look at that arm and then I think about Cable's arm in the comics. I'm trying to find a better uh, a better picture of it. It's here's, more like a Colossus a arm almost. Right, so I was gonna say I always think of Winter Soldier's arm yeah. when I think of Cable's arm. Like it has that particular look to it. And it just doesn't look that way in the particular picture we've got. No, it, it looks very uh, you know what it looks like? It's definitely missing armor, and it's that bothers yeah. me. It's like it's too exposed, almost. It's almost like C-3PO before they put the plates on. Yeah, and then the uh, the neck looks like a total Photoshop job right now. Oh, I totally agree with you there. I like and like the not even a well done yeah. Photoshop job. So I'm not I'm not sold on when this image came out. There were so many people who were like, "I'm on board, I'm on board, I'm on board," and I was like, "I'm not sold." Actually, the other part that bothers me is the gun. <laughs> right. It, it it's actually too much of a modern looking gun, like a current gun. It needs yeah. to look more futuristic. Again, cables from the future, people like he should have almost a space age. I was gonna say approach. a sci-fi looking yeah. gun. I mean, all the guns that he's ever had look had like a sci-fi look to it, and it's just so weird to look at him. I don't know without that look to it. I just and the weird thing is, I'm a huge <laughs> cable fan. I'm just worried they're gonna screw this up now. Now yeah. I'm worried they're gonna mess it up. So since they've released images of both Domino and Cable, where do we all stand on Deadpool two so far, Bob? I have concerns. I actually have some grave concerns now. I I didn't... uh, This is the weird thing. I didn't have concerns before. I actually was excited about Deadpool 2. I liked the idea of all the characters they were introducing. And now I'm looking at some of these costumes. And I'm thinking, like, somebody doesn't get it. Like, somebody doesn't understand (laughs) that when you take me out of my comic book world, I have a really hard time getting through that. Right. You know what I mean? It would be kind of like trying to introduce the female Thor... In the movies without doing it in the comic books first. So now you're trying to give me a domino and a cable that I've never seen before that looks nothing like anything I've ever seen, and you're expecting me to just be okay with that. And I just, my brain can't, I can't wrap my head around that. And maybe it is because I've read the Deadpool comics. Maybe that's a bad thing. You know, right. Maybe they're assuming most people have not read the Deadpool comics. Right. I, I don't know. How about you? Well, I was concerned about the second Deadpool movie right from the get-go because they knocked the ball out of the park with the first one. Yeah, how do you follow how up? How do you follow up? Yeah. yeah. Without... And now that you're seeing these images, what do you think? I'm, okay, you... I'm okay with the, the Domino, and I'm a huge fan of the, the character Domino. As far as Cable's concerned, he looks small. I'll give you that, too. Like, he didn't have the big, bulked-up look. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, you, I am... I can't say concerned. I'm confused. I don't understand the choices they're making. I don't see a follow-through line that makes me go, I see where they're going with this movie. I see a Deadpool that's ridiculously accurate to the comic book, 
And then I see a domino that's being changed, but I don't know why it's being changed when you, again, could go ridiculously accurate to the comic book. Right. So I wonder why. why. There's, there's got to be reason behind it. You don't just do things in movies. Well, you do, and it comes out badly usually. You don't usually do things in the movies and just go, hey, let's just change for change's sake. You make a reasoning behind it. And Cable, I just didn't like the visual. So I'm kind of like totally sold on the Deadpool look, eh, half and half on the Domino look not sold on cable so i'm really confused they need to give I, me I like something that explanation confuses yeah good ex- they yeah. need to give me something to go on here because i just don't know what they're going for because so. what they've got isn't enough at least yeah. not for me it's not making me buy pierce brosnan's gonna save the movie I'm calling it now you watch <laughs> okay next thing we want to talk about is the han solo standalone film and there's been so much going on with this it's just like it's like a whirlwind of problems <laughs> First off, the director gets removed. Two directors. It was a team. That's right. Two and directors. They were get known for doing things like the Lego movie. Yeah. They were and Sun uh, Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. They were animation and comedic directors. And I believe you definitely write into galaxycast.com or whatever our website is. Um, <laughs> our email. If I'm wrong here on what those directors have directed, but I'm trying to pull from memory. No, I think you're they right. were mostly a comedic team. Then we got rumors that Aaron Aaron Reich Alden Aaron, whatever the hell his name is. Alden Aaron Reich. Alden uh, Aaron Rick. Aaron Reich, yeah. Mr. Fourth Reich, whatever his name is. <laughs> uh, he he wasn't happy with how they were telling him to do Han Solo, that it was too Jim Carrey-ish in the dailies, which is a right. crazy approach, yep. that he was one of the ones who got in touch with Kathleen Kennedy and said, get people out here. We're filming on the other side of the world. They've got to see what's going on because I'm not happy with it. Well, that's just about to say, how bad do you have to be in a direct, as a director to have the actors right. go over your head and call the head of your, basically the head of the department of the movie that you're running and because, well, say, I think also he you was need protect- to look at this. He was protecting himself because yeah. they got a, there, there was that whole rumor or story. They got an acting coach to try to improve his performance. And I think he was trying to say, it's not me. It's what they're telling me to do and what they're right. trying to get out of me. So eventually, I think he was proven right because he wasn't the one removed from the movie. The directors were. Right. So now with Ron Howard coming in, you know, God praise Ron Howard. He does good stuff. Let's hope he really takes this seriously and does a good job. He's not just coming in to be like, I'm, I know he's, he's done what every director has to do who steps in. He's given the word of mouth of they were great guys. I'm just coming in to finish the film, right. you know, whatever. When really I think he's coming in to do quite a bit of changing because we have the story we'll be talking about in a minute about the actor being cut. I hope they're saving it. I hope they're redirecting the boat in the right direction. But, yeah, there's a lot of reason to be nervous there. Well, okay, so I, I can. I know for a fact that over 90% of the film has been rewritten. And one of the panics... Since, since when? The directors were let go? Yes. That was only a couple weeks ago. Yep. How do you rewrite a film in a few weeks? Uh, because you're that desperate. Because things are that far off the rails. I'll tell you the other part of it, too, that's sending Disney into a slight panic is... They're openly admitting, they've openly admitted in the public now, that not having Carrie Fisher around to do their script to rewrites. fix the script rewrites has been a punch in the gut to them. Mm-hmm. Because normally in a situation like this, they would have gone to Carrie Fisher and said, help, we need you to fix this. And she would have spent countless hours working on Which it. Which is just amazing that when yes, you think she, about she's that. She's an amazing know? person. This is not a knock on her at all. No. She was an amazing person and an incredible writer. But in all of Hollywood, there's no good strip writers who get Star Wars and get that character. There's nobody. Apparently, Lucas even leaned on her that much. George wow. Lucas did. I know she did rewrites for Lucas. Yep. And I think that was... But apparently, great. it was a lot more than we initially thought. Like, a lot more. Like, 
a lot more than we initially thought. And I didn't know that either. And and so I guess the punch to the gut is losing Carrie Fisher, who really had a lot of the good Star Wars storylines down and really understood the So lore. does that mean that because everything now that's being made after her passing, are we going to suddenly feel this huge tonal shift and be like, I'm wondering wow, that too. how much was Carrie Fisher? Yeah, how much, did, was, she, how much, of, how much was she the emperor behind the scenes? Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, this what kind of a pivotal role did she really <laughs> play? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, right? Wipe them out, all of them. And if episode nine, I mean, she was still around for a majority of it, it's still her thing. Then eight. or eight, excuse me. Yeah. Thank you. So episode eight. She was still around for the majority of that one. Then what does that do to episode nine? Right. You know, like do do you get a huge tonal difference in episode nine because suddenly Carrie you've Fisher's not only no lost a, you not only lost a big actress, you've lost a you've writer. lost a writer. Yeah, so it's <laughs> and a character and a character. I mean, like mm-hmm. it's it, yeah, she's kind of a triple threat when it comes to like the roles she's playing here. So, I mean, with that, we found out that Michael Kenneth Williams, who was with the Star Wars Han Solo movie, has been cut from the Star Wars Han Solo movie. I wish they'd give this movie a name so I could stop calling it the Han Solo movie. Like, give it some catchy name there, right. Ron Howard. But we'll, we'll figure it out eventually. It's probably going to be called Solo. <laughs> I'm serious. It's going to be like Solo. Uh, he's Solo. A, he's a Star solo. War, A Star Wars film. <laughs> it's going to be Star Wars... Han Solo. Solo. Yeah, I mean, it probably is. They're going to go simple. But, and here's where, Eric, you pointed out to me and I didn't know this. So for those people who are like, hey, it's not right, he cut his role. Here's the deal. Yeah. They didn't really cut his role because they didn't want to make him part of the film. Matter of fact, I think Ron Howard did. Yes. And they also didn't cut him because of the tonal changes in the film itself, right. removing the character. No. The real reason they cut him was because of scheduling issues. Yes. Basically, he could not be on set when they needed him to be for all the reshoots and all the things they're supposed but to But that happen. tells you how much of the movie they're reworking. Because if, they, if there's a character yeah. that's being redone Just because enough, he can't be around. He can't be around to shoot to totally fit in with what they're doing. It makes you go, how much of this film are they changing? And that's why I'm saying 90% of the script, you know. Now, that's a huge, where are you getting that number? Where are your sources? Inquiring minds want to know. Let's just say there are people who are involved that know that about ninety percent of the script is, is being changed. Yeah, and Bob and, has connections, people, and, and and he knows people. It's Kathleen Kennedy. He can make people disappear if he wanted to. I, I, well, no, I can't do that. That's Gary. <laughs> Gary can make that happen. I could. He could. That's true. But I, I, I will tell you that the comedic part of it that you're hearing about, yes, it was too much. Not even too much. Like the entire film. Wasn't it almost? Uh, yeah. Well, I heard that. The, and as we were reading this article, Kathleen Kennedy is pretty much the watchtower over Star Wars. Absolutely. Everything now. She is, has an incredible weight on her shoulders to keep this on track because now you don't have George Lucas to be the be all and all say. You now need a, you need a person in that well, pivotal role. It's become Kathleen Kennedy. In production. You also don't have Pablo Hidalgo, who is. George Lucas's right. radar man who was running the holocron that was making sure all the timelines, even the books and comic books, were working working together. Yeah. So that's not even there anymore. So so what we're hearing... Well, we're going to get into this with the next story, too. But okay. she's the one who pretty much oversees and has to have these says. And from what I hear with these two directors, they had a script. There was a thing written they were supposed to do. And they would constantly go okay let's change it up now let's yeah. do some improv let's this let's that. it's like well, no, this is not an improv kind of movie right. this is a star wars film that's supposed to tie in with everything and it's supposed to be well written and then created well and you know when you're doing that in the star wars universe and kind of flying by the seat of your pants 
it's not a good thing. No, no, I'll, I'll agree with you there. And the other part of it too that I, I you know, if it, it was a comedy, Han Solo's an he's interesting a, character. He's he, a comedic character. He could be a comedic character. He quite a bit had the funny parts in the movies. He did. I just don't know if he's a comedy. Movie he's not a comedy movie character, and that's that's you know what I mean. Jar Jar would be a comedy movie character, yes. <laughs> and and could pull it off. That's well. what they're secretly making. <laughs> they're making Jar Jar. See, I think that's the solution here. <laughs> they should have just moved them to a Jar Jar film and actually restarted on a Han Solo film. Forget it. Just finish yeah. this movie and digitally put Jar Jar over. Aaron somebody's writing me hate mail. <laughs> Seriously, like there's ticking packages coming to my house. I can see it already. <laughs> the next thing we wanted to talk about was Star Wars Episode Nine, which kind of ties in with what we just and talked this about. This just happened. This just happened. Colin Trevorrow, the director the of director Lost World, of Lost World, and and was the director of Episode Nine. I can say that now officially yes. has officially left directing Star Wars Episode Nine, and it, it from he was last seen riding off on a motorcycle surrounded by raptors <laughs> heading into the jungle. <laughs> In high heels. <laughs> so <laughs> here's the the real thing. I mean, they're, they're really kind of dancing around the subject about why he left, but the real reason was supposedly creative differences. Yes. And it but sounds like Kathleen Kennedy just did not like... This guy, Colin. I was going to say, where he was going with yeah. anything. I well, mean, okay, so what they say in the article, the brief rundown... Is that Colin Trevorrow has started to believe the own his, the own and again this is all hearsay by this article you read but it's written on the internet that makes it one hundred percent true <laughs> exactly it's um, not fake news that he <laughs> after the huge success no one trusted him being a big hit with Jurassic World it was his first big budget tentpole movie they didn't know and it became a smash success yeah he took a lot of credit for that, which he rightly probably should. I mean, he helmed the thing. And it had nothing um, to do with Chris Pratt. Nothing to do with Chris Pratt. Or, 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 um, or dinosaurs. Or, or dinosaurs, dinosaurs for that or, matter. Or, you know, or the that. Jurassic Park name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that he's be- the quote-unquote, he's believing the hype about himself and going into future movies. He just did that movie, The Book of Henry, which I read the... Did you read the description of what that was about? No. Go online and do it. It is the most crazy idea. It's a weird idea. And from what I hear, it got horrible reviews and it was very tonally all over the place. And anyway, it was a passion project for him and he thought he could do whatever he wanted. And so now coming into oh, Star Wars, it was his Peter Jackson, the King Kong. Got it. Kind of. Well, <laughs> well again, we'll, we'll, when we go off air, I'll show you. Yeah. So he, um, coming into Star Wars believed I'm a big shot. I'm now directing a Star Wars movie and I'm going to kind of change this up the way I want to. And Kathleen Kennedy said, no, you're not. not. And he was like, well, yeah, I'm Colin Trevorrow. I'm going to, again, this is what the article implies. This is not, this is not an actual recording of a conversation between Kathleen Kennedy and Colin Trevorrow. Uh, But I will recreate it for you for dramatic purposes. I'm Colin Trevorrow. I can do nothing wrong. Uh, no, I'm no, Kathleen Kennedy. I'm Kathleen Kennedy. And, and you know, this is how we do Star Wars. Nope. I'm going to change things. You're out of here. Bye-bye. And that was it. So apparently he's got an ego. It didn't fit. And they're saying creative differences. And he's out. This is why Austin has got to get to Hollywood really quick. They need him desperately. You see, he's trying to make Jar Jar into the Emperor. What do you mean trying? I thought that was already what we decided is going to happen. Actually, no, he's Snoke. He's oh, the one who right. decided to make Emperor the Snow Snoke, and she's yeah. like, "That's it, get out." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, him being out could be a good thing. It could have been. Oh, we chose the wrong director. Um, but again, there's lots of directors in Hollywood. You think That's that they the would go through a yeah. screening process to get the right person for the fit for the movie? And this is two movies in a row that have had to have their directors booted in, what is this, three months? Something like that. I would think that if you're a director and you got attached to Star Wars to direct the movie, you'd do do your damnedest. 
just hang on to it. To, to stay on to it. Yeah. I mean, this is Trevorrow. He's like, I'm going to direct the next. He's already, isn't he directing the next Jurassic Park? He is, the, yeah, he already got picked. Jurassic it. Park World End or yeah, whatever. You know, yeah, at uh, World's whatever, End or whatever. Uh, whatever it's called. It's something. I call it at World's End because it's like Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's he's got other stuff in his back pocket. He, he feels like he can just go somewhere. You know, it's like, I don't know, man. It seems like it's Hollywood is is now what what wait Hollywood is full of egotistical people that can't work together. <laughs> well, I think that's always been the case. It's yeah. just now it's it's become public knowledge yeah. for the first thanks time. To the internet, thanks to the these internet. These things yeah. are not just stories in the back of the trade magazines right. that only people in the industry read. Now right. we all hear about it. Right. Right. So now all of a sudden it's not just in uh, what is it theater magazine. Now it's out there in the real or, world for everybody yeah. to, to to actually read up on. Yeah, it's not in Star Wars. No so here, here's is the it, good er, news it, though. Eight hasn't even come out yet. So this is still early. Yeah. Well, here's the good news. It's early on enough that removing the director is isn't that big of a blow. I mean, this is a better option than what they're doing with the Han Solo movie. Yeah. I mean, like. If we'd have been in that scenario, then I, yeah, I'd be a little upset that we were this far that we were that far along, yeah. and they suddenly decide to remove him. My only question now is: is who do you hire? And they put out so articles who, where they said, "Who do you think they hire? Like, what would be your favorite hire here to 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 replace Colin Trevorrow? Who could be the Ching for Episode Nine to really pull it all together? Who do you think would do a good job? Or who, yeah, who do you think? Or would, who do I want? <laughs> who do you want? Who do you? Well, don't the two things go hand in hand? I would Not think necessarily. so. Well, okay, I, I'll take either. <laughs> Second place for me is Spielberg. I was just about Give to say, him one. That's my. He's he, everyone has said he's needed to do a Star Wars. That's movie. my number one. Give him I one. would love to see. Steven he's not Spielberg my number one. And take he's it. not my number one. Lucas. I'll have George Lucas come back and do it. I want him to come back. I'm sorry. I feel like Star Wars is missing something since he left. Why not have Lucas and Spielberg co-direct? Oh, that was well. No, wasn't it? We're thinking Raiders, where produced by Lucas, directed by Spielberg. Why not do it again? though? Oh, the two of them. I don't know if they'd work together that well. <laughs> <laughs> I think they work together a lot better than you think they do. They're friends. I want Ryan Howard to do it right from the get go. Really, you think so? All right, he's already he's been rumored to be on all three of the prequel movies with Lucas. All right. So yeah. He, so he has the same. He was he was doing stuff with the prequels. Yes. He he was on set with with George. Oh, okay. All throughout the prequels. The first one is because his son was in the in the family. Oh right, right. All right. Um. Have him direct right from the beginning to the end would be awesome because he's got George's vision. They went to the same. Well, that's probably why they got him to correct here. I mean, they, yeah, they, they they went to the same college for for film. So. I mean, you've got certain people like the problem is there's people who are great directors who wouldn't be a fit like Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo yeah. del Toro, great director. I've loved every, I've loved many things he's done. Wouldn't be a fit for the Star Wars universe, I don't think. Who's the guy that did Django Unchained? Tarantino. Oh, Tarantino, Tarantino would be an awful great, great fit. director, but not would not work not here. A Star Wars film. I've seen they put an article out. I think one of the people they put in it was Kevin Smith, and I'm like, no, 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 no. no. Sorry, Kevin, if you're listening, because we know not, you, we know I'm you're not. a big I'm, fan. I'm a friend of yours, but I would I would agree that I, oh. not a. I mean, if you've watched Tusk or if you've watched what was yeah. the other one that he Yoga Hosers, Yoga Hosers, no. uh, yeah, I mean. Definitely, those movies are out there. I mean, like, way, way out there. Well, and, and the other one that kind of dawned on me that might be an interesting person to bring in for a Star Wars film, maybe, would be Peter Jackson. I thought that, too, but I don't, again, I, th I don't think no. he's a good fit. But I think you would have to give him a three, like, you would have to he's, do like you did with Lord of the Rings. You'd have to give him a three 
film story arc, let him technically, and, and you'd have to let him do what he did right. with Lord of the Rings, shoot it across. Technically, two years, technically, know? he is a extremely talented director. He can yeah. he can organize a massive production really yep. well and do cool things. But he, as with every movie we've seen from him in recent years, he has a tendency to way overindulge, and I don't think Star Wars could use that. Now, a lot of people are saying, let's get a female director in there. And with with Wonder Woman coming off such a huge success, people are saying, where are all the female directors? Let's start looking at who's out there and who might be able to do it. And there's a number of them, I'm sure, that, that might be good choices. So it, I don't know. Yeah, who Austin's it. heading to Hollywood soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so unfair. I'm thinking on him. He's not even here. <laughs> He's going to slap got me no, when I've he got sees nothing me. for that. <laughs> all I can say is that was a low goal. That was, that was even lower than I would have gone. I'm going to get kicked in the batteries the next right. time I see so him. So I don't, I don't know. It's... Um, it was Ian Lowell. <laughs> I'd, like I'd like to see where it goes. I mean, I, there's a lot of potential. I don't know. Well, they'll announce somebody soon because they got to. Sure. They got they someone's. Someone's got to move in and get pre-production I was going. I say they can't sit for long. They got to keep moving. So yeah, uh, be interesting. I think Gareth Edwards would have been good too. See, I, I like I like him as a director. I think he has a great eye for epic, and for big scale. And I think I'm sorry, but even though there was a lot of reshoots on Rogue One, from what I hear, he was amicable to work with. And, and I he was be honest, willing. I gotta be honest with you. Now that I've watched Rogue One a couple more times, it's growing on okay. me now. Now it's just like on Force me. Awakens grew on me a little bit too. Yeah, so, it's, it's starting to grow had, on me a little bit. Force Awakens hasn't grown on me just at all. a little bit. I can't say a lot. A little bit. I still don't like the story beats being such a match, and it wasn't original. That's my yeah. big problem. But they, they, they get a jet cool, and I, I I lose interest yeah. in it. But I I liked Rogue One. I think so nice. here's the thing. I think visually they made genius choices with it. To not with no opening crawl, everyone's like, "Oh no, how's it going to feel like Star Wars?" Bang! It popped in on the first shot, and it's yeah. a spaceship moving across rings of a planet, and it just has that little bit of Star Wars music. I was like, "I was fine." That's yeah. a great opening, and just his visual choices and stuff. I think he's a great director, which gives me hope of not having an opening crawl in the next Star Wars film. You know what I mean? Like the standalone, the stand. Yeah. Well, no, not the standalone, but the even the next one, the one that's episode uh, episode eight, eight, eight is has not no have crawl. crawl. No what? Crawl. No, the main ones are supposed to have a crawl. No, they've already said there will be no crawl because you're going to leave all. You're going to pick up exactly where they left off. Yeah, I heard that, but I heard that time wise is happening, but that didn't mean there wasn't going to be a crawl. My understanding, there will not be a crawl. I don't. I don't accept that. <laughs> that is I not right. Your I'm sorry. All the ma- I'm sorry. All the major films should have a crawl. So I'm, I'm sorry. That's just st- it's a style choice, and if you're changing that up, I don't mind you getting more original in the story, but you keep structure accurate. Okay, get, get rid of the crawl and have the the newsreel at the, at the beginning, like, like uh, Clone, Wars? Clone Wars. Yeah, I'd actually be okay with it. I'd be cool <laughs> with it. Okay, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> okay, so uh, the last thing we wanted to talk about was the trailer. For Star Wars Rebels Season 4, which is the last season of Star Wars Rebels. What did you guys think? I mean, what, what struck you out, out? What stuck out at you in this particular trailer? Like, what what really grabbed your attention here? I'll be honest. Even though it's an okay... I think it's an okay trailer. It, I didn't get a sense of a follow-through, what the storyline's going to be for the last... Other than it's going to involve a lot of Mandalore and a lot of Mandalorians and a, an invasion of that and fighting against the Empire... I didn't get a sense of where any of these characters are going. I do see there's going to be more of the love story finally coming out between Kanan and, and what's Hera. Hera. Um, <laughs> I almost said Ezra. It's, it's be- <laughs> I almost said Ezra too. I was that, like, wait a minute, that's not right. That's, that's the weird storyline. <laughs> that's actually the undercurrent of everything. Um, I, I do like some of the connections, the way they mentioned Krennic briefly and yeah. that they're tying in a little bit to Rogue One. I think we see fight scenes near the end and I'm wondering if some of that is the battle over uh, Scar- uh, Scarif. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they show some of uh, Hera in a pilot fighting and stuff. Yeah. So there's a little bit in there, but other than that, it seemed like it was trying to be dramatic, but didn't tell me anything. The, the, the question I got is how much of the book Thrawn is going to tie in with Rebels? I, I, okay. can see, I can see where it tied in with Rogue One. All right. All right, but I'd like to see how it ties in with Rebels. Because I, I haven't read that book yet, so I, I, um, I have no idea where that book lies within things. I mean, I also, I don't see it as a bad thing that they're not showing you everything or leaving you kind of wanting more right. or not. Oh, I don't mind that. But I'm I kind of glad at the sense. fact that they didn't show us too much, you know what I mean? But I agree with you, there also, it doesn't seem to be a through line here that makes me want to go, yeah, I got to watch episode or season four now. So now you, you created a thing that doesn't make me want to necessarily see season four, even though I'm going to see it because, well, I run a podcast about it. How could yes, I not? We have to um, But my other question, too, that I, I, it's still lingering in the back of my mind is, what's next? So you wrap up season four of Star Wars Rebels. What comes after that? You know, like, what do you, what do, you do with that? Like, you can't just suddenly... Well, aren't they already planning a new animated show? Supposedly, but there's been no info about it coming out yet. That so. would probably be next Star Wars celebration that you'll hear. Well, probably, this is probably true. And it'll probably be with the new 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 order crap. I, I would imagine, yeah, <laughs> probably with the weird red guys too. Knowing our luck, you know, it, it was an interesting trailer. I, you know, I, I like the fact that we've got some custom Mandos showing up. You know, now the the pick, the colors on the Mandos are starting to come out with, uh, as as. Tom would say we're starting to see. I'm talking about Tom Mandalore of, of the Mandalorian Mercs. Uh, we're starting to see the Crayola box of, of Mandos coming out. Um, that last shot, though, I always have. I've been looking at it several times. Looks very interesting. It's the dome of on Lothal. Uh, uh, on Lothal, right? The first dome that we saw. But it looks like maybe, and maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong in this. But it looks like maybe the rebels are like. Kamikazing their it almost looks it into the dome. It almost looks it, and the way everyone's standing and looking at it, so dramatic. You know something's yeah. going on. It's got to be something big, something major. I, I'm I'm wondering if maybe the the Empire is destroying their own facility so that it doesn't go into the rebel hands. Rebels hands, right? That would actually. But they it. finally freed Lothal. Yeah, yeah, but before they the Empire left, they destroyed it. Right. That that's an interesting theory. It yeah, could be kind of cool. Are we gonna are we gonna see any Death Star in this at the end of the season? Getting so close to Rogue One, it'd be nice, but I just don't see them doing it. I don't. What do you think, Gary? Do you think they'll show a Death Star? Uh, what I'm thinking is, is um, the end of the series is going to go right into Rogue One. Maybe that's kind of what I'm thinking too. Like they end it right at the Battle of Scarif or whatever there, and and well, they they're they're up. showing that they are on uh, Yavin. They'd yeah. have the pyramids and everything, and that's yep. where they were leaving for Rogue One. Well, may- maybe so, not Scarif, but the uh, where uh, where Vader's going after the where, where Galen Uso was Uso was stationed at. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, okay, like the very beginning of of Rogue One. Right. I get what you're saying. So maybe they leave it off where Krennic is going after Urso. Yeah, which actually would be kind of a cool tie-in too, because yeah. you could le- literally leave it with that scene where you could go from the end of Rebels into Rogue One. So that would be an interesting time. But isn't that, that's a good 10 years before current time because she's a young kid at that point and then she has to grow up. That's true. So, so I they, would, 
I think this especially would lead... considering you have already have the old. Uh, you, have, you have Leia in this at the proper well, age you have in the Rebels. Age, Leia in the proper age, but I'm talking about the old guy that was yeah. in Rogue One. Saw Gerrera. Saw Gerrera. God, there's you. so many names. To remember yeah, now, it's like too many names in the Star Wars universe. But Saw Gerrera appears in, in this in his old in form, his old so, form, so looking it, more like regular right, like Rogue One. Be, yeah. So timeline wise, this looks like it's ending right at the start uh, or right near. Right near the start of episode four. I That's kind of where within, I'm feeling, uh, yeah. within weeks of that. I'm almost wondering if it bridges the gap the other way. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, after the fact. But. Well, it's, it, it, it could still be a, at the beginning of Rogue One. Yeah. You know, where uh, Saul gets hurt, you know, what, where he becomes his robotic version of him. Oh, I get what you're saying. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. So I'm looking forward to it. Okay. So those were our thoughts about... I know, we've talked a lot tonight, people. I, I, I apologize, but hey... We want to talk we, we to had, you. We, we had, had lots months to, discuss. to, to yes. recap. So uh, that, those are our thoughts on several of those topics. So again, just reviewing, recapping. That was our thoughts on Inhumans. That was our thoughts on a bunch of bunch of stuff on Deadpool. On Deadpool too. Um, our ideas. thoughts. Yep. Our thoughts on all the shakeups going on the in the Star Han Wars Solo universe. Standalone film. I think it should just nine. be called Fiasco. Fiasco. That's what it should be the name of the movie. <laughs> the SW Fiasco. Uh, and then, of course, Star Wars Rebels Season 4, the final season coming up. Yep. So we'd love to hear from you. Head on over to our website, take a listen, and then email us at galaxycast.gmail.com. Uh, and we'll be back in a moment. We're going to talk about a Star Wars fan film. We'll tell you what it is coming up. We'll be right back after we navigate through this promotional tunnel. Intergalactic proton-powered electrical tentacled advertising droids. Intergalactic proton-powered electrical tentacled advertising droids. Intergalactic proton-powered electrical tentacled advertising droids. Hi, I'm Darth Harrington of Darth Harrington's Intergalactic Proton-Powered Electrical Tentacled Advertising Droids Emporium and Moonbase. Due to a garbled subspace transmission, I am currently overstocked on all intergalactic proton-powered electrical tentacled advertising droids, and I am passing the savings on to you! The future is now. The future is in the cloud. Cloud computing. What's cloud computing? Imagine a computer you share with everyone. Imagine your private data spread around the world, being shared equally with everyone. It's the cloud. I'm in the cloud. It's utopia. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Imagine instead of your own computer, it's a giant one we all share together. Your data is safe. It's in the cloud. Everyone's in the cloud. Live life surrounded by the mists of time with Cumulonimbus Computing. The cloud is hard to describe. You can't see when you're in it. And when you get close, it disappears. Where'd the cloud go? Now, when your data is damaged, you don't need to fire the IT department. You can fire the internet. You're fired, internet. We've taken the metaphor to extremes. Because when you're in the cloud, lightning won't strike. It's Cumulonimbus Computing. Huh? I'm really in the clouds. You're in the clouds now. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. 
many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience as we navigated through the promotional tunnel. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, we are back, and this time we're going to cover a trifecta of Star Wars fan films. Gary, how many are we doing? Three. Yep. Three. Uh, we were looking at you waiting for you to say something. So we're going to cover Jakku First Wave, we're going to cover Jedi's Code, and then we're going to cover Star Wars Destroyer. So let's talk about Jakku First Wave. Uh, only It's a short fan film. It's only yep. 3 minutes, 30 seconds or so. <laughs> 36, <laughs> seconds, huh? 36 seconds, yeah. It was 3 minutes, 30 seconds. And it was I, I thought it was an interesting fan film. And the really weird thing is they... I mean, as far as doing anything, there's not much going on. It's it's three men in a room. They're, right. They're and there's no little lady. <laughs> there's no little lady. But yet, it's intriguing. It, you know what this reminds me of? Is that good movies can be about script. Yeah. And story. Yeah. And you don't need to have special effects. The special effects are okay, but if you've got a good story to tell, people will want to watch it. And in three minutes, they got me engrossed in a story about three guys. And the fact that one guy had a brother that was on the Death Star and another guy got into being a stormtrooper because he liked the armor. I, I just thought it was really cool. The only question I had was what were the ropes were for? They were about to repel out of the... The they were high up on a walker, and they're about to rappel out onto the sand. Oh, I guess I didn't understand yeah. that part of it. Yeah, the whole, the whole movement of the scenery around them oh, okay. was they're in a walker. Okay. I guess I just didn't get that impression that they were in a walker. I mean, as far as once they opened the doors, right. I didn't get that impression. Because it looked like it was right there, and they could just step out onto the, the desert. But I mean, other than that, that was the only thing I was like, I was trying to understand a little bit more. But The director made some interesting choices with this one. One of the things I liked was that the entire thing is filmed from behind the three guys. They yeah. never face the camera. They're always faced away from us. We get a side view. Uh, you know, they turn their head. But it's all from their backs. And it's showing you that this director was making some conscious choices about the way they wanted to do it. He could have very easily had these three guys sitting in chairs, talking to each other. Or thinking the same thing like uh, a locker room yeah, talk type uh, thing. You know, or, or like, you know, the dropship look of aliens when they're sitting across from each right. other. It could have been some setup like that. That. Yep. They could have done a, a straight-on view, them all looking at the camera, but that choice to go from behind to kind of make them impersonal characters and yet tell intimate stories about the three of them and, and turn them into real people and humanize them, and then and you know, and you start off knowing that no one survives, so you're watching three guys who are about right. to go to their death, and death. it adds yeah. so much more poignancy to everything they're saying. I thought it was great. Carrie, what did you think? Well, I thought that they knew they're going to be going to their death and they're just finally, you know, why did you join up and stuff like yeah. that? And I was like, we're going to die. Why, why, yeah. why, why did you do this for? Yeah. What, what was the whole point for? Right. And it was interesting because the, the first two guys didn't really have a point, not a strong point. And then when the third guy talked about his brother, it's like they all kind of manned up and they're like, yeah. for your brother, you know, for the empire. So I will totally say worth the three minutes and 30 seconds. Go, <laughs> I know, I'm serious. It's Jack Coop's yeah. first wave. I almost wish it was longer. Yeah, I'd like to of know all more. all the Star Wars yeah. fan films I've ever watched, I'm like, I, I want more. Like, But here's the thing. The, you couldn't do more with it. It's, it's right. The point of this was that seg- that moment. You're you right. know more about their backstories, it becomes boring. You see the fight, it takes away that edge of knowing what happened. It's like he told just the right moment. It was moment. just enough. Yeah. yeah. 
It was good, though. I mean, it was excellent. The best three minutes and 30 seconds of a Star Wars film. Fan film. Fan film. Probably yeah. we've ever seen, I I think. It, Maybe it, even better than some three minutes and 30 seconds of the prequels. It, <laughs> it, it, or it, The Force it, Awakens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Right there in the heart. Right there. Just stab it. Let me put the knife in and just dig it in there. Okay, just okay. the whole sequence on the ship where the thing with the tentacles was rolling around. It was better okay, than I'll give you that. that. Yes. <laughs> better than the Rathars. Better than the Rathars. Yes. A- anything after Jakku. Um, <laughs> it it kind of reminded me of like the uh, landing at Normandy Beach. Yeah. Definitely what they were going for. And, and it always makes me wonder, like, what were these guys saying to each other before they were about to lower a... Right. You know, I mean, I always kind of wondered that, too. You know, like, what were the GIs saying to each other? Other than I want to puke my guts out right now. Right. <laughs> okay, so let's go to the second Star Wars fan film we watched tonight. It's called Jedi's Code. It was an interesting way to tell a story. The idea that we're we're looking at, like, a story of a Jedi, but not really... Right. First of all, the visuals. When it yeah. started off in space and the crash, I was quite—I was surprised. I thought, okay, these are some fairly high visuals. It's going to look decent. I liked the back and forth of the storyline going from his childhood to the modern fight and back and forth. And it really kind of explained why he was in the fight to begin with. You know, at first you're kind of wondering, you know, why are these two fighting? But then you get into that childhood story and you go, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Like he killed his master from before. And Well, I don't, I don't think it's just the, the master has killed his mom. You know, I really the think it was, was his mom. I think yeah. it was a, oh, a mom training a kid. Okay, I mean, yeah. I, I think the uh, clone, the, clone the helmet was the father. Yeah, and the aunt was. Yeah, because remember they said you were a traitor. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So he was. That's a, oh, there was, that, There's I, a lot more to that story that's hinted at that they don't really. The, oh yeah. yeah. So I didn't catch on to all that either. So you know, I I thought it was a well thought out story. Now I, I want to give this one some credit too because not only not only is it a good story. The rotoscoping on the lightsabers, I don't know if you guys caught that. It was very well done. It was dead well like, done. Probably some of the best rotoscoping I've seen yet. Yeah. It actually, you know, most rotoscoping stagnant. People yeah. don't make it move. And this actually flashed and moved, yeah. which made the lightsabers feel a little bit more like the movies, yes. which I thought was really good. So I actually want to give credit to whoever did the rotoscoping. It looked excellent, and it was a really good job. And I got to admit that the fight itself, while not flashy in its choreography... There was an intensity to their fighting sure. at the pace and the speed that didn't make me like go, oh god, this is bad choreography. They yeah. didn't. They didn't. They didn't try and pump it up with you know fancy twirls and twists. It was it was pretty straight. It was on, not a Ray but, Park fight, but no. that's okay. It didn't need yeah. to be a Ray Park fight to get the intensity we needed yeah. out of it. I also liked the look of the lightsaber that the guy had. It had a little uh, scatter effect to it. Yeah, it like a little little spark. Well, you know, almost like he built it himself, yeah. just enough to go do this and then pull out the Kyber Saber Crystal and chuck it at her and say, there you go, I'm done. Uh, what'd you think about using the Kyber Saber Crystal as the, or the Kyber Crystal as the uh, Well, I'm wondering point. what it did when she threw the crystal down. Yeah. And he, as a child, the, the woman slashes a lightsaber at him and cuts his hand. She goes to force choke him and then drops him and instead says, I want you to remember, I did. you know, she's being a kind of Sithy way yeah. of, I want you to remember the defeat. And when he, she drops the crystal next to his hand, his hand glows a little bit. The it, wound. And, and the wound kind of like healed a little bit. So did it? Did too, something yeah. get imbued in him there? It's a weird idea that I don't quite know what they were going for. 
I think they wanted you to pull out of that whatever you were going to take out of it. I you guess. Know what I mean? I, I'm thinking that since it was the mother's crystal and she's imbued to it, that uh, when he picked it up or whatever, it kind of helped him heal. Or, or yeah, like, like, like a mom would help an injured child. I was thinking that too. Yeah, like a mom would fix your wounds for you. Like the crystal had elements of her in it to help mm. him fix some of his wounds. I, I thought it was a nice little homage, at least in that regard. Uh, so what did you guys think of this one? Like, I had two. I had two issues with it. Okay. One was there was the edit in the middle where it goes from the sister being killed, or to, first you see the uh, the bad person hunting him. It's like first you see him as a kid and you you see him training with the mom. When it cuts back to him on the planet, there's someone already standing there facing him off, and the the edit was a little weird. That there was a disconnect from realizing that was who was in the Tie Fighter that landed. I almost wish they'd just filmed that shot showing her face with a TIE fighter in the distance. You made a connection that this was the person who came from the yeah. craft. There was just this kind of weird edit, like, oh, who's this standing in front of him? And it took took me out for a second because I had to do some adjusting there. So I wish that edit had been done differently. Um, and then it was okay once they got back into the story. My other problem was it really felt like it was leading to something at the end, especially spending so much time on him walking away. Yeah, and That I felt nothing. a little... Le- it was nothing. It just yeah. kind of felt like it was a little let down. And I, it's like, I don't think you should lead your audience along like that unless you've got something to give them so i felt like that last 20 seconds or so 15 but, seconds yeah, did, you forgot to put something in yeah either <laughs> yeah. forgot to put something in or it's it's a misbalanced way to film the ending so those two parts didn't sit with me well but overall if i had to grade this one like if i had to grade the first one on a one to ten i'd give it like a good solid eight yeah eight to nine it was really powerful and did what it wanted to do perfectly the second one on a one to ten scale, I'd have to give more like a seven or a six and a half to seven because it was good, but it had a couple things I didn't like about it. Yeah, it's like he should have went like to to her grave, his mother's grave or whatever. Yeah, that would have been a neat yeah. thing that she was killed on that planet. Yep. The only the only other part of this movie I thought was a little awkward was when he first showed up to fight her, and he's holding the lightsaber up. Okay, so he's got the lightsaber up high, and it just feels really weird. Like, you know, like, you would almost put your lightsaber up next to your face and be like, no, I'm going to turn it on, and, you know, it just felt weird. I, well, I th- and I wonder if that was just a framing choice by the director saying, well, I've got your face, so we need to see the lightsaber, so just lift it up higher. That's fine. It'll be it, fine. Yeah. It, it, it could be that, or uh, it just goes to show you that he's not really a trained Jedi either. Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, a little bit. I mean, it was a little awkward. I could see myself, I've seen that position, almost like a baseball stance, where they with the elbows out and they hold it up almost samurai style. Right. I've seen that done, but it felt really like close really to close his face, face yeah. when they did it. And it, it just felt a little weird. weird. I don't know. Just the yeah, framing the, of the, it. The, the, the Quigan pose. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, did, I don't mind the pose. It just felt really awkward to the face, the way yeah. you... So, you know, like, like you said, there's just little things like that. that yeah. You know, doesn't make it awful. I would still give it like an 8, 7, something like that. Yeah. But I, I just, that, that made it feel awkward. What would you give this one, Gary, if you're going to give this one? Same as you guys. About seven or eight? Yeah. Okay. What about the first one? What would you give that one? I'd give it a good nine. Okay. I'll give the first one a solid nine. I think we're all nines on that one. Yeah. All right. So the last one that we watched of our our trifecta, I don't know. We're like, wait a minute. You're only spending like 20 minutes on this stuff. And I don't know. We had a lot to talk about at the beginning. Star Wars Destroyer. Now, this one was an interesting fan And this is not to be confused with the Kiss album. (laughs) Yes, no. Of the same name. Yep. So Star Wars Destroyer, it's a Star Wars fan film, not to be confused. This one was interesting. It, The idea, the basic premise is that the Rebels destroy a, well, kind of rack up a destroyer. Yeah. And it's falling towards a city, and they have to save it. And I, I didn't realize at the beginning 
no the city one, I it's think falling towards. That was a surprise of the video, I think, on purpose. It's best been. They didn't. Know. They didn't want. Well, spoiler alert for anyone who's going to go watch the video. It's six minutes. That's long, kind of a cool thing a in the movie when well, you see it for the first time and you realize it was kind of cool. I had the idea it was might have been that, but I. How many other gas giants are there around? That's what I'm wondering. Like, if there's, it's maybe it's not Bespin, but they're implying it's a city like Bespin that's in a cloud planet or whatever. I mean, you know, they don't say that outright. They could have. That's the weird thing. They could have said, "Well, they're falling towards Bespin," you know, and they they never even said that. So, what did you guys think of this one? I mean, the acting wasn't quite on par with the others, especially the uh, male pilot. He he felt, you know, flat, flat. And trying to be a little comedic and funny without quite hitting it. Uh, the the other captain who was off fighting his own battle, even though he was only in for a few seconds, I feel like he was stale. It just yeah. didn't, his line didn't work. It was she almost was, like the whole film was about the female pilot, and, and she was, was better. It. She was better in the kind of the hard nose and the smart person. I did like some of the details they threw in during the fight. Of remember how many ships you're fighting, how many are carried by this class. Right. You know, there's like training going on there that you would things you wouldn't even think about that they may have in their head that they're keeping track of and stuff like that. As a pilot, I like those details. I thought the visuals were actually pretty cool. Yeah, actually, the the part that surprised me on this one was the the computerized visuals of the Destroyer and the X-Wings and the TIEs weren't too bad. I no. mean, there's a couple angular weird shots, but I mean, stuff that you know Hollywood can do that you just can't do on a home computer. I mean, it's just stuff. There are yeah. some limitations. It's, it's, it's rendering time. It's like right. they, they had the good camera angles, framing, and choices for for choreographing all the sequences. I mean, you never once were confused as to who was where and what was going on. Right. They did a good sense of space. So you, uh, like spatial orientation. So you always kind of get a sense of they were behind it, they're in front of it, the one guy's passing, turning around. Right. You know, they flew off, fly back. You, you, you never didn't have a sense of where you were, which I've seen some choreography where you just get lost. Like, what's going on? But what it didn't have was the rendering. The time where a, a, a right. really powerful machine would put in tons of detail into the model and lighting it more realistically and doing all that. Yeah. And they obviously didn't render that deeply, so those things pulled you out a little bit. The other thing that pulled me out completely, at least for me, and maybe it was for you too, Gary, they didn't use actual X-Wing pilot helmets. I, they thought and they looked weird. And it was pretty obvious, yeah. too. Like, they were too small. The one had the tomahawk that came down. I mean, it actually was a little bothersome that her tomahawk came over her face, so you missed some of her facial reactions and features to things. But it was pretty obvious. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but, like, spend the extra 50 bucks and go get out. Go get the actual X-Wing right. pilot helmets. Let people in the Rebel Legion help you put that together <laughs> if you need to. I mean, I'll come personally help you put it together. I've helped Ian put his together. And, and just, you know, let us help you. I mean, they're out there. There's no excuse to not use them. I just, you know, I, I know they're probably low budget and all that, and I get that, but why not buy one? They're cool. And, it's <laughs> and, really, and then you got one to keep. You got you to gotta give them credit for, if it is low, you know, like you said, it's low budget, to say, well, we're going to focus our entire movie on X-Wings fighting TIE fighters and a crashing Star Destroyer through the atmosphere into a city. It's like, yeah. that's pretty epic. We're going to take that on? And they, yeah. they handled it yeah, pretty well. well when you yeah. think about that. The, the, the money was spent in the... Computer on the stuff. computer stuff, right. I agree with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I got like admit, I said, it took you out just a little bit from the Star Wars universe. The, the best shot of the entire thing was the people walking in Bespin and stopping and looking as it passed, and the, yeah. it just kept going past. And was you got the sense of scale. Yeah, that side shot with them there and everything sold it. The next shot where it was passing was a little not as good, but that one shot. I was like, that's... Yeah, it was that's pretty cool. Pretty I mean, cool. It sold, you got a sense of scale. The, right. the only difference I made on that was uh, the wake shaking the city a little yes, bit. Yes, there should have been some sort of atmospheric effect no. or something. I actually thought it would have been 
kind of cool if it bumped into it slightly. You know what I mean? And the whole city shook or something. You or know, noise, just, like the engine roar. Or the yeah. engine roar would have been, been Yeah, that would have been cool. Just a whooshing sound of it going by or yeah. whatever. You know? But just have a like a like a mini quake type thing. Yeah. You know, just like a like a boat going past a dock. The dock. There's a wake of some yeah. sort behind yeah. it. I would Actually, think. What, tell me this would have made the scene really cool. The girl's walking. We pan with her. We stop. We have that shot where you see the distance. The tip of it comes into view and it's dead silent. We're just here seeing it pass with barely any noise. But as the engines get closer, because they're behind the mass of it, the sound picks up, picks up, picks up. The engines pass and the roar is deafening yeah. Yeah. as it flies by. I think that could have like really sold that. Yeah, I, yeah totally. And, yeah. And, and with the rippling of the, yeah. of, the, of the city. Yeah. And maybe he had like you know, have somebody turn out a big fan or something, and like so it just looks hit like them. Yeah. yeah, like with with it. So it makes it look like they're trying to fight the wind. And those are the types of details that Hollywood puts in. That's the stuff that they yeah. have the time to like. There's people mapping out every element of the scene, and when you're doing it, you know, on the cheap and home budget, you don't put all you can't put all those details in. You know, it's really sad. What? We should be doing a fan film. I know. <laughs> Between my son it'd, it'd and his directing hor- and all of our ideas. And it so would come out horrible. Really, we would, pr- we'd, so? make, we'd make one of the worst fan films Oh, possible. I disagree. I think we'd come out with an amazing <laughs> fan film if we put all our heads I'd like together. To think so. If we do, we got to get Hondo in here with his minigun. Yes, to just stand there. <laughs> just stand there and hit things. Yes. <laughs> well, as I was saying, we know between Ned and Austin and several people we know, we could put a really... A whiz banger of a fan film together. I think if we you know, well, I, I'd make the fan film that would bring Handel back into the badassery of the yeah. yeah, where he actually hits things. Yeah. Except yeah. when he starts to walk, but don't move. Just yeah. stand still yeah. and fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what would you rate this one on like a zero to ten? If you if you're going to tell somebody that they could see it, <sighs> I got to rate this one fairly close to uh, the second one. I got to put it at like a six and a half to a seven. Okay, it. It did overstretch its bounds in terms of budget, but it told an interesting, again, slice of a story, and it was pretty cool. Okay. Gary, what would you say? I'd give it a six. Interesting. I was going to say a five to a six. I was actually leaning more towards a five, and here's why. The other part of it that I found a little bit unbelievable was that by hitting the engines yeah. and hitting <laughs> some sort of thing on the front of the Star Destroyer, yeah. they're going to make it miss the city. Yeah. I actually almost wanted the Star Destroyer. This is awful of me. To hit the city. I wanted it to hit the city. After everything they did, it cuts right, right. It the... still cuts through the city, and oh, well, we missed it, and we tried everything we could. Or or the guilt of, like, oh, my gosh, we lost an entire city worth of people, and it's our fault. What um, I would have almost liked better. The drama, you know? What would have maybe even worked better is, I, and I thought this is where they were going. They were going to sacrifice. The guy was going to sacrifice himself and crash flying up yeah. into that sensor to knock out the I kind of thought that might happen, too. Like, it wasn't going to work in the... right. And the fourth on torpedoes weren't going to work, so he was just going to have to yeah. kamikaze the thing and, and get the, it to work. Uh, shoots both torpedoes, and they get hit by shields or whatever. And yeah. So, and then he has to sacrifice himself, and then, then the ship crashes through the planet. <laughs> anyway. He didn't. He couldn't have saved it. Right. I don't know that's awful of me to think that, but I just I thought it would have added to the dramatic Boy. effect of the entire fan film. Maybe, I think the fan film we make would be super dark. <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be super dark. Like, everybody dies. <laughs> Except for Hondo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has to be the <laughs> only one standing at the end. So instead of Star Wars, a new hope, ours would be Star Wars. The only there's hope. no hope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's what we thought about those three spam films. And actually, I, I don't think there's one on this list that no, we wouldn't I, recommend. Right, at this the, point. And, and the running time altogether is less than 15 minutes on all three of those. Yeah, so, so it's totally worth your time to sit down, hunt them on YouTube, and give a watch. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So I'll put links to those on our show notes. You know, uh, Jakku's First Wave, Jedi's Code, and Star Wars Destroyer. They were all actually pretty well put together fan films. 
And uh, we were talking about, like, we were surprised at how many 2017 Star Wars fan films we've already yeah. watched and reviewed, and we've, we've gotten quite a few out there. So if you've listened to our previous episodes where we got fan films, um, you're getting probably the majority of the Star Wars fan films that are currently <laughs> out there. Quite honestly, we're, we're, we're doing quite a few of them. Not counting all of the, oh, hey, let's just fight with lightsabers. Right, yeah, type, but yeah. There's well, some big ones. I know there's large ones that are, like, hour long, hour yep. and a half long. I'd like to check some of those out at some point. Well, we'll have to hit up one of those before we get into Star Wars Rebels this season for sure. Uh, I go ahead, Gary. Well, we I think we should tell them that um, we're going to be doing other things other than Star Wars too. Now, yeah, Ooh, I was just going like to get a into big that announcement. Now that we've had the ability to kind of have some control, some liberal control over our what we're doing here at Star Production Studios, we have decided that yes, Galaxy Cast is called the Galaxy Cast because we do a lot of Star Wars stuff, but. We've always referred to ourselves as a Star Wars and more show, so you're going to start hearing some and more from us now, um, because the reality is Rebels is going to end soon, and we got to cover some other stuff. So we've talked about possibly reviewing parts of the Orville show, am I calling yep. that correctly, which is the uh, Seth McFarlane, McFarlane uh, mock-out of Star Trek. If you have not checked that out, go look at the trailer online on YouTube. And the other thing we're talking about, possibly looking at, is Star Trek Discovery. Yes. It definitely is going to be a groundbreaking TV show. It's going to be interesting to see how this show plays out. Um, there's already a lot of controversy about the show, and maybe we'll cover that in one of these future episodes um, before we cover Star Trek Discovery, because I think the controversy may play in to help the show or even hinder the show. Right. So we'll talk about how that could potentially play out. And I think that's going to probably come in too as we talk about the episodes of the show. So those are things we're looking at. So we're just not going to be doing just Star Wars anymore. And I'm hoping that everybody appreciates that. We've always been a Star Wars and more show. Now we're going to following in more, a lot more than we used to and more. Yes. Um, which is cool. I'm looking forward to that. We get to do what we want to do, which is awesome. So as we like to always say here in our Star Production Studios... May the force be with those who listen. The Shatter Points. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We still like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You failed me for the last time. And look for the GalaxyCast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.